I was in Kansas, I was in college, and I just gave my life to Christ. And it was kind of this awesome experience, but also at the same time, I was like, okay, so like, what's happening now? Like, the gospel is true for me. I know that I was lost, I was dead, I was living in darkness, and now I'm alive, I have purpose, but like, what is it? What, what do I do? And so I remember I found myself just getting plugged into this local church, and I'm serving in this local church. I'm helping out, like, legit, like, changing the oil in, like, the church vans, like, doing some, like, janitorial stuff, like, stuff that I thought was, like, my level of serving. Like, I had found my space to, of what this is what God is, and I'm doing these things. And it was awesome. It was, it was an incredible experience. I love serving the church in that way. But I remember I was probably, like, three, four months into following Jesus, and I was approached by the student ministries pastor of this church. The student ministries of the pastors of this church comes to me, and it was right after there was a big hurricane in Houston, Texas. Um, and he came to me, and he's like, hey, um, we're taking a team down to help with some hurricane relief, cleanup, providing resources, different stuff for these people whose homes are underwater, their lives are, and we, want, we need help. Do you, will you help me? And this is what he said. Will you help me lead this team? I remember looking at this dude, and I was like, bro, I am not the guy for the job. Like, I know, like, you, you think that you see this in me, but, like, I can't lead people. I, I, these kids have Bibles that are older than I've been a Christian. Like, I cannot be a part of, like, what God's trying to do through this student ministry. And he's like, okay, well, here's what I need. I need someone to come make sure the kids stay safe. I'll take care of all the spiritual stuff. And I'm like, all right, cool. I can do that. So we loaded like 100-something kids into two big old buses, and we headed down to Houston, Texas. And we're going down to Houston, and we've got like these projects set up, and we're going to help sort supplies, and we're going to help provide relief in these spaces. And there's just this overload of, of stuff and supplies coming in. So like, man, we're going to make a difference in that spot, like making sure everybody's got water and food and clothes and all this stuff. And so I'm like, man, I can do that. Lift heavy stuff, organize, tell kids what to do. Check, check, check. I'm on that, right? And so the first couple days we're there, we're working with a couple groups that are already there and we're sorting supplies and unloading trucks and loading trucks and moving stuff and doing all these different things. And it's like, man, like this is awesome. Like I'm doing for God. Like, I'm doing the stuff. Like, God, do you see me? I'm doing it. I'm doing the things. I'm checking the box. I'm doing it. Right? And I'm like, man, I got purpose now. I'm do I know what I was saved for. And then I remember we had like a leaders meeting. And I, I went to this leaders meeting one night. And we're sitting down with our leadership team that was leading this trip. And that we had kind of come together with another leadership team. And we're in Houston. And we're sitting in this room. And our kids are off um, during free time. And they're like, all right, so like we need to make a plan for tomorrow. Because tomorrow we're going down to like the actual like planes where people are coming off the boats out of their homes. And we're going to be facilitating like handing out supplies, making sure people are getting what they need. If they need medical treatment, whatever that is, like we're going to be a part of organizing all of that. And so I'm like locked in like, man, this is going to be awesome, all this stuff. And then one of the leaders in our group, she pipes up and she's like, hey, I have a thought. And so Trey's like, yeah, absolutely. What's up? Sam, I love you. Okay, no offense. All right, just as we continue in this story. And she goes, I think that we should set up a little further down a worship night. We should, we should have a worship night. As these people are coming out of this area, we should have a place where they can come and just worship and, and spend some time with the Lord and all this stuff. And I remember sitting across this table, and I said this because I make poor decisions. And I looked at her and I said, that is the dumbest idea I have ever heard. These people's lives are underwater. Their, their whole world is shambles. Everything they know and love is completely in shambles. And you want to have a sing-along? So that was my heart at that time. 
And Trey looks at me and he said, remember, you're here to keep the kids safe. Keep the, I'll, I'll handle the ideas. I like, yes, sir. So I took my seat back, and we got down that, that evening, and we're down there, and people are coming, and we're passing out supplies, water, clothes, medical stuff, anything people might need, and we're getting after it. And 30 minutes goes by, an hour goes by, and boat after boat, vehicle after vehicle, person after person. I'm standing there with like everything they're going to need to live their life moving forward. Everything they know and love is, is gone, is, is underwater, everything they've worked for, all this stuff. And I'm like, we've got supplies. We've got what you need right here. And person after person after person walked past the supply tent and was going to the worship. I remember sitting there and I'm like, okay, whatever, like cool. And we're doing this, this stuff. And we're probably an hour and a half into this. And finally I stop and I turn around and I look. And there's probably 150, 200 people standing around, just an acoustic guitar, no microphones, no sound systems, just kind of like what we were doing just now. And I remember I could hear it. And these people were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. These people's lives are in shambles. Everything they, that they've worked for is gone, and they are worshiping the Father. And I remember standing there, and there was this moment as I'm standing and I'm looking, and it just I felt like in my heart. It wasn't like an audible, weird thing. But it felt like the Lord said to me, that's what following me looks like. That you would worship me no matter your circumstance. That you'd remember who I am no matter what's going on around you. That I would be of first importance to you. And it was in Houston, Texas in 2017 that the Lord grabbed hold of my heart. And I'd given my life to Christ months before and I'd been doing the things and going to church and serving in the ministries. But it was in Houston, Texas in 2017 that God taught me what true worship looks like. And guys, I think last night the Lord taught some of you, and he showed you what true worship looks like. Some of you, you've been doing the things. You've been going to church. You've been showing up at the right times. But last night, you got a picture of what the heart of the Father is, that he loves you, that he sees you, and he wants your worship no matter what, no matter who's looking, no matter how you feel, no matter what's going on. And I believe that some of you, when you look back someday as you're continuing to serve and, and bring him glory through your life, you'll look back and say at Indian Springs, at camp meeting in 2023, that's where the Lord taught me. That's what you're going to do with your life. You're going to worship me. But understand something. Worship isn't just the sing-along. It's not. Sam will be the first one to tell you that. No, I believe worship is obedience. And God is calling you to a radical obedience to a radical yes, to one that says real Christianity says yes to Jesus every time. But I think some of you, he's calling you to that. He called you to that last night, and you responded with your heart. You responded with your actions. And I'd encourage you to remember that, to write that down, to take some time, and we will at the end of today's message. But I want to show you, in the front of every Bible I own, right there at the top right, it just says Houston, Texas, 2017. Because, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. There are moments in my life, there are 
situations and circumstances where I find myself wondering, God, what are you doing in this space? What are you doing with this? Why can't she just feel better? What, what are you doing right now? Where are you? Why, why does it have to be like this? Why does going back to school have to be so hard? Why don't my friends want to follow you like I want to follow you? Why don't mom and dad just understand? Lord, what, what are you doing here? And that serves as a reminder of me. In Houston, Texas in 2017, the Lord showed me what it is. And it's saying yes to him and trusting that he's God and I'm not. And for some of you, that's what happened last night. God showed you that he's God and you're not. That he's worthy of your worship, that he's worthy of your obedience on the court, in the classroom, in the workplace, in the dish pit. And that if you'll say yes to him, he'll work out the details. But I think as we look at Ephesians 2 and we see that Paul is continuing to tell them, this is who you were, but now this is who you are. You're saved. But in Ephesians chapter 1, so we're going to go back a chapter. We're going to look. This is what Paul is teaching. He's saying, this is who you are in Christ. So if you have a Bible, let's, let's all turn in our Bibles. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Take your time. Hurry up. Right? Genesis, Ephesians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Ephesians. It's in there somewhere. It's in the back half. All right? Use the table of contents. Hey, if you don't know that that exists, hey, if you're new to the Bible, at the front of your Bible, within like the first couple pages, there's this thing called the table of contents. And mine has the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so I look here and I see, okay, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Okay, Ephesians is on page 1036. So then in my Bible, at the top of my Bible, it says 1036. So I turn to that page and that's Ephesians chapter 1. So if you struggle getting through the Bible, use the table of contents. I'm telling you right now, I use it all the time. All right, the book of Jonah is hard to find, okay? And it's not because I don't read my Bible, okay? It's because it's really small and there's like two pages. Kuti, don't judge me, bro, all right? All right, don't judge me. Don't judge me, all right? Ephesians chapter 1, if you got it, say, I got it. All right, who, has the, who doesn't have a Bible? Raise your hand. You don't have one? Do you own one and you just forgot it? If you didn't bring a Bible to camp, please let Ruffin or Matt know, Okay? Please let Matt or Ruffin know, if you didn't bring a Bible to camp, they're going to get you a Bible. You're going to need it over the next few days, okay? You're going to need it the rest of your life, but you're really going to need it over the next few days, okay? But Ephesians chapter 1, if you've got a pen or a marker or a highlighter or a journal, I'm going to tell you, you're allowed to write in your Bible, okay? You're allowed to write in it. Now, I get made fun of a lot because I use a ruler when I write in mine because my hand shakes a lot, because I drink a lot of caffeine. But you're allowed to write in your Bible, underline, highlight, write notes. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's start it off. i got to hustle. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. First circle, underline, highlight, right there. Faithful saints. Did you know you're a saint? If you've given your yes to Jesus, if you have trusted in him for salvation, if you have received that free gift of grace, you are no longer a sinner. You are a saint. And I think one of the ploys of the enemy is he has convinced us to identify with our defeat rather than to identify with our victory. How many of us in here say, oh, I'm just a sinner by saved by grace, right? You're identifying with your defeat. When, when God and, and Jesus has said, I have secured for you victory, you are a saint. You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint who sometimes sins. 
Okay, don't identify with your defeat. Understand truly your identity in Christ is one that is made pure, complete, and holy by the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing that you can do. But if you've received that free gift by grace through faith, you're a saint. You're a saint. That's what Paul's saying. So he's telling us right here, I'm writing this letter to the Christians at Ephesus. Okay? So if you're sitting here and you say, you know what? I don't know if I'm a, I'm a Christian. I don't know if I've received that free gift. We can go back to last night. It's available to you right now. You can, you can do that. You can have that conversation. It's not a magical moment, a tabernacle. It can happen in your dorm and the golf cart at lunch. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the ways that I've lived separated from you. I'm sorry for the times I've chosen myself and my flesh. I trust in you for salvation. I believe that you died, that you rose from the grave three days later. And I want to say yes to you. I want to give my life to you. You can do that right now. You can be a saint. It's simple. So to the saints, to the Christians... He writes, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Circle, underline, highlight, blessed us. Who were we in Christ? What's our identity? You're curious, right? How, we live in a culture today that's pushing and pressing and telling you, you need to figure out what your identity is. And it is dependent on your ability to identify your desires and your, and your, your preferences to identify as something. And I'm here to tell you, Christ died for your identity, and here it is. You ready? Here's your identity. You're blessed. If you're in Christ, if you've trusted in him for that free gift of salvation, you want to know what your identity is? You're blessed. Circle, underline, highlight, right there. In the deepest parts of suffering and difficulty in this world, you're blessed. Guys, that's hard to believe sometimes, isn't it? That's hard to believe. I'm struggling to believe that right now, if I can be honest with you. There's some stuff going on in my wife and I's world. That's hard. It's difficult. It's out of our control, but we're blessed. Why? Because Jesus. Let's keep going. Verse 4. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Circle, underline, highlight. Chose. You're chosen. God chose you. If you're in Christ, if you've trusted him for salvation, you're chosen. How's that feel? Some of y'all, you're the last picked every time. In your own home, you feel like they don't want you there. In your own home, it feels like you're an accident. And God said, before the foundation of the earth, I chose you. I chose you. I created you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know the hairs on your head. I choose you. Will you choose him? Will you choose him? Let's keep going, all right? We're hustling. Before the foundation of the world. Here we go. To be holy and blameless. Circle, underline, highlight. Holy and blameless. You're holy. You're set apart. You've been set apart for a new life in Christ. You're blameless. Your sin is no longer held against you. That because of Christ, his sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection, you are blameless. You are considered righteous before God because when he looks at you, he sees Christ and his sacrifice. You're blameless. Whew. How's that feel? What a, what a weapon to use against the shame the enemy brings in your life. To say, no, you know what? I've trusted in Christ for salvation. I've said yes to him. I know that my sin has been paid for. I don't have to live in shame. I'm blameless because of the person of Jesus Christ. Let's keep going. It's packed. In love before him, verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted. Circle, underline, highlight, adopted. You're adopted. Remember we talked about last night when you're adopted into a family in Jewish culture. If you are a non-biological child adopted into a new family, you can never be disowned. By law. You can never be disowned. You are a part of that family forever. So if you've been adopted by Christ, have confidence in that. You've been adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will. 
to the praise, verse 6, of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. His grace has been lavished on us. There's more than enough. There's more than you'll ever need, right? That's gravy at Thanksgiving right there, just lavish, all right? It's lavished on us, okay? That's that cheese on those cheese fries, the snackateria. It's lavished. There's more than you'll ever need. His grace is sufficient for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. There is nothing you can do to separate you from the love of Christ. His grace has been lavished on you. Here we go. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Right in there, verse 7, circle, redemption, forgiveness. You're redeemed. You're redeemed. You have been redeemed. If you are in Christ, your life has been redeemed. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Circle that. That's a reminder. In those moments, next Monday, next Tuesday, when you find yourself, am I actually sa- You're forgiven in Christ. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Here we go. Verse 10. Oh, let's go verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ, verse 10, as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have also received an inheritance. You're an heir of the throne. You have an an inheritance to receive. You belong to the family. His kingdom is now yours. And if you continue, right, if you've said yes to Jesus, someday you will inherit that kingdom. Eternity to eternity. You guys remember that? And we're not just living for today, this short-sighted Christianity, but we've got our eyes fixed on eternity. And we live our lives like this is no longer our home, but we are inheriting something bigger. Your heirs. Here we go. Skip down just a little ways. Verse 13. And then we're going to close it up. In him. In who? In him? Who? Who's him? In Jesus. In Christ. Right? Everybody point straight up. In him. One of my favorite preachers in the world. He talks about if your salvation starts with because I... How do you know you're saved? If we ask you that in your small group, well, because I prayed a prayer, because I responded, because I came up front, because I go to church, you've missed it completely. No, our salvation is because he, because Jesus Christ bore the weight of our sin, that he died on a cross, that he became obedient even to death, because he rose from the grave. We now have victory over Satan, sin, and death. There is nothing you can do. It's not because I, it's because him, because he, in him, here you go, circle, underline, highlight, you also were sealed. You're sealed, you're protected. Some of you guys, that's going to be something you need to remember two months from now. When you walk back into school and you start wondering, is that mistake, was that the one? Am I, long, am I no longer in this? Am I out of it now? You're sealed. You're sealed. That isn't a license to sin. 
That isn't a license to do whatever you want because I believe if your heart's truly been changed by the Spirit of God, if you've truly said yes to him, if you've trusted him for salvation, sin becomes opposite of your nature. And if you find yourself willfully surrendering to sin all the time, I'd encourage you to check yourself and ask, do I actually know Jesus? Right? If there's constantly unconfessed sin in your life, I'd encourage you to check, do I actually know Jesus? Because if you actually know Jesus, these are the things he says he's secured for us. And if we know him, our life changes. All right? There's fruit involved. There's fruit. They will know you're my disciples by your fruit. You want to know if somebody knows Jesus or not, follow them around for five minutes. Sit in the dorm with them at 1 a.m. I bet I can tell you who actually knows Jesus or not. If I was a fly on those walls, huh? But if you're in Christ, if you've trusted him for salvation, if he's changed your heart, those things we just circle, underline, highlighted, that's who you are. You're blessed. You're chosen. You're adopted. You're an heir. You're holy and blameless. You're a saint. Why? Why? Why are we those things? Somebody answer. Because he. That's right, Gideon. Because he. You remember that this week. Your life now is because of his sacrifice and what he's done. That's my identity. It's not built in self. It's in surrender. Let that be our response. All right? So we're going to go to small groups, your leaders. Um, have some questions for you guys. I'm going to pray over us before we go. I want to encourage you today. Some of you, you heard some of those things, and you struggle to believe it. It's hard for you to believe that there's a father that chose you and adopted you, that you're holy and blameless. There might be some shame in this place. Some people believe in lies. I encourage you, don't keep that to yourself. Talk about it. All right? Your leaders have been equipped to have those conversations with you. Cool? Let's pray, and let's get after it. Uh, holy Father God, we praise you. Lord, we thank you that through your son, through the gospel, we can be considered saints. Lord, that we can be blessed, that we can be chosen, that you see us as holy and blameless, that you've adopted us, that you've lavished your grace on us, that you've redeemed us. Lord, that we're heirs of your kingdom, that you've sealed us with your Holy Spirit. So God, I just ask that we'd live like it that we'd stop settling into defeat, that we'd stop compromising for less, and that we'd live to the standard that you've set forth for us, that we'd trust in you, that we'd trust that you're enough. Lord, if there's anybody here holding on to sin, holding on to false identity, holding on to idols, I pray that you would convict them in a serious way, that they would know that they know that they know that your spirit has showed up and called them to something greater. Lord, it's for your glory, our joy in Christ's sake that we pray. Amen.